0: Hey leaders, welcome to this month's episode of Gospelized with Greg Steer. I'm excited for you to take in what Greg is gonna share this month. No surprise, he's talking about the gospel, the very thing that we are most passionate about here at Dear to Share Ministries, Jesus Christ and the good news of salvation that we have in him. If you're a youth leader and have the opportunity to teach students, I wanna encourage you to take advantage of the e-resources we provide with each episode of the podcast. This is gonna be a lesson you will probably want to teach and remind your students of as we kick off this school year, the power of the gospel and the impact it has in your life. So download that resource as you listen to Greg share today and begin prepping your next lesson to preach this sermon to your students. So with all of that said, let's kick it over to Greg.
1: Have you ever gone to a still pond and picked up a rock and thrown that rock in the middle of the pond and what happens? You know what happens? A ripple effect. Ripples start going out from where that rock hit. The bigger the rock, the bigger the ripple effect. The gospel message is like that rock. When you share that message with others, it has a ripple effect. I started my own family. You've heard this if you've heard me preach about my family being radically transformed. A preacher whose nickname was Yankee threw that gospel rock uh, in the middle of my family pond. My uncle Jack came to Christ. He led another family to uh, Christ named the Coxie family. He shared the gospel 250 people within a month. And my uncle Bob ended up coming to Christ. And one by one that ripple effect transformed my whole family. Matter of fact, I think someday when we're in heaven on the other side of eternity, we look back, we'll see thousands of lives that were transformed all because one preacher threw that gospel rock in the middle of my family pond and everything was transformed. The gospel message has a ripple effect. We're gonna talk about four ways in which that gospel message has a ripple effect. But I wanna start with the verse in Romans 1:16. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. The simple message of a Jewish carpenter turned rabbi who lived 2,000 years ago, who was murdered unjustly at the age of 33, started a ripple effect that changed the world forever. His simple message created wave after wave of transformation that crashed over the lives of a handful of blue-collar disciples who smelled of fish and sweat, then over the lives of the 120 who gathered in an upper room to wait for the gift of his Holy Spirit after he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven, once filled with this same Spirit who filled Jesus, these disciples were used by God to preach the message, thereby throwing more rocks into more ponds and sending relentless ripples across Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and beyond. Over the last 2,000 years, these ripples have traveled across the world to almost every tribe and every nation. These ripple effects Have resulted in countless hospitals and orphanages being built, millions of churches being planted, and entire cultures being transformed from the inside out. These ripple effects have launched expeditions into unknown lands so that the gospel could be preached and the lost people could be reached. The courageous men and women who threw those gospel rocks into these sometimes dangerous ponds were often mocked and marginalized. At times they were mangled and even murdered dying as martyrs for their faith in the power uh because of the power of those holy stones that they were throwing into these ponds today these ripple effects are needed now more than ever we must fill our pockets with these rocks and always be ready to create the ripples in the lives of those we encounter on our journey we must help our teenagers see the ripple effect of the gospel we must open their eyes to sharing this message as the most holy cause, the cause of making disciples who make disciples. We must help them see the ripple effect is exactly what this culture needs to counter hate, to build bridges, to fix injustice, and to multiply change makers. The gospel message, this holy stone, this powerful rock, when it's thrown in ponds, and it's thrown into lives, when it's shared verbally, when it's demonstrated with the way that we live, it makes a ripple effect. So we're gonna talk about the four ripple effects of the gospel message. Ripple effect number one, the gospel has a personal ripple effect. Jesus said uh, in John 5, 24, if you believe in me, you're passed out of death into life. John wrote in John 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. So the personal, very basic, very raw, very elemental personal ripple effect is that when you put your faith in Christ, you will go to heaven. Again, John uh, 3.36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. Jesus put it this way in John 14, 2 and and 3. My father's house has many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And maybe even in Sunday school, you remember your Sunday school teacher talking about heaven, talking about the the streets of transparent gold, talking about the fact that the gates were made of pearl, talking about the 12 foundations of these precious jewels, talking about the bright glory of Christ that lit up heaven, light light, will light up heaven like a kaleidoscope. I want you to stop and think about this. God created the entire universe in six days for the last 2,000 years. He's been getting heaven ready for us, how glorious heaven will be. Sometimes uh, when you hear people talking about why we put our our faith in Christ, you you hear a little bit of sarcasm when they say, well, you don't wanna just get your ticket punched to heaven. Let me just say this, getting your ticket punched to heaven is a good thing. Uh, you'll want to be there someday. It's a personal ripple effect of putting your faith in Christ. You will go to heaven. And guess what? You won't go to hell. John 3, 36, the last part of the verse, whoever rejects the son will not see life for God's wrath remains on him. Jesus talked more about hell than he talked about heaven. Of the 12 times the word Gehenna, which is the word for hell in the New Testament is used, 11 are mentioned by Jesus. It's, It's described as a place of eternal darkness, torment, and suffering. I remember when I was a kid uh, the Sunday school teacher talking about the reality of hell and I was obsessed with this and I didn't know for sure I had my ticket punched to and I was nervous that I was going to go to hell. I remember once I was thinking about matter of fact last night I took my wife and my daughter to my old neighborhood and we're driving down the street and I go right there that's when I was thinking about hell. I was so terrified right at that very spot I peed my pants and my daughter was like gross. I, I go I did I was terrified as a little kid about the reality of hell. And on June 23rd, 1974, when I put my faith in Christ, I got my ticket punched to heaven. I got my fire insurance again. Some people say, you don't want to come to Christ just because of fire insurance. I'm telling you, man, I'm glad I came to Christ. I'm glad I wanted to go to heaven and didn't uh, didn't want to go to hell. And I'll tell you this, I'm glad I'm going to be in heaven. And, and I am thankful that I'm not going to be in hell because the power of the gospel message has a personal ripple effect. Do not underestimate that. Jesus talked a lot about heaven. Jesus talked a lot about hell because he wanted us to have the personal ripple effect of the gospel. But the gospel not only has a personal ripple effect, the gospel has an internal ripple effect. The first is this, Christ lives in me internally. Colossians 1, 26 and 27. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. In other words, all all the people in the Old Testament, all the prophets and priests, they didn't know about this. But it's now disclosed to the Lord's people. We get to know about this. We get to experience this. To them, God has chosen to make known the Gentiles, among the Gentiles, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, I want you to stop and think about this. The creator of the universe dwells inside you and dwells inside me. If we put our faith in Christ, he lives inside of us. This is unthinkable to the Old Testament Jew because in the Old Testament, if you wanted to encounter God, you had to go to Jerusalem where you would go to the temple, right? And if you were a Gentile, you were kind of out of luck because you could just go to the outer court. You could not go into the inner court, right? But that's as close as you can get to God. There was a wall keeping you out. Now, if you were Jewish, you could go into the inner court, right, of the temple. But you could not go into the holy place. So there's another wall keeping you out. The priests were often chosen by lot to go and serve in the holy place where they would replace the bread. uh, They would keep the lamps lit uh, and they would light the incense, so when you, if your number was called to be a priest to go in the holy place, that was a big, big deal. But even then, there's another wall. It was a curtain that would keep you out from the holy of holies. So you can get in a holy place, but not to the holy of holies. Because behind that curtain was the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the personal presence of God. That's where the glory of God would be in the temple. And in this uh, Ark of the Covenant, uh, there was the Ten Commandments. There was a... A jar of manna. There was Aaron's budded rod, uh, which all reflected how how the Israelites had rejected God. But it didn't matter because that Ark of the Covenant was covered in blood. Because once a year, the high priest would come in, and he would he would. Uh, be able to get behind that curtain they always had a rope around him in case he dropped dead in the presence of God they could pull him out so nobody else could have to go back behind that curtain and they would he would sprinkle blood on the ark of the covenant first for his own sin and then for the sins uh, of the Israelites so over the years, blood had covered this thing, which ultimately pointed to the blood of Christ, would not, which would not just cover over our sin, but would take away the sin of the world. But it was a big, big deal getting behind the holy of holies, getting into the personal presence of God. Again, if you were a Gentile, there was a wall to keep you out of the inner court. If you were a Jew, there was a wall to keep you out of the holy place. If you were a, a, a priest, there was a wall to keep you out of the curtain to keep you out of the holy of holies. So there's these barriers between us and a holy God, but through Christ, those walls have been broken down. That curtain, when Jesus died on the cross and said it is finished and he bowed his head and he died, was torn from top to bottom. And not only do we have free access to God, but now if you put your faith in Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside you. According to Ephesians 1:13 and 14, you've been sealed with him with the Holy Spirit and Christ lives in you, in a sense, You and I are kinda like the holy of holies, which is really weird and awesome that Christ lives in us. That's a ripple effect. God has made his dwelling in our hearts, in our lives. I hope that blows you away like it blows me away. But not only does Christ live in us, Christ can live through us. Galatians 2.20, Paul writes, I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. My old self is dead but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So it's no longer I who am living, it's Christ who is living in me and through me. We can live like Jesus because it's Jesus living through us. And what's crazy about this is when you realize that Christ is living his life through us, when people see us, they see Jesus. When we're full of his Holy Spirit, and man, that makes change in people's lives. And you may be thinking, "Well, how can this be?" Well, think about the Bible, the Holy Word of God. It was written by 40 men over the period of 1,500 years from three different continents, right? But when you read James, James has one way of writing, very direct and very convicting. Paul has a very theological way of writing. Mark. Writes like a teenage girl. He was like, and so then, and so then, and so then, and so then, and so immediately, and so immediately, just kind of boom, 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 boom. And even kind of ends without ending. Matter of fact, a lot of scholars believe that others came in and added Mark 16, 8 through 20 because the ending was so abrupt, right? All different kinds of writing. David is a different kind of writing. You go through the Old Testament, you'll see Moses is a different kind of writing. Yet every word is inspired by God. This is the Word of God, but He uses the personality of these preachers in the same way. Christ lives through us. We have different personalities, but it's Christ. When we yield to His Spirit, He's living through us and making an impact on the world through us. It's an amazing, amazing internal ripple effect. So we have a personal ripple effect of the Gospel right? There's an internal uh, a ripple effect to the gospel. And again, there's an external ripple effect. The thing about ripples is this, when you throw a rock in the water, the ripples extend outwardly. So that outward ripple effect is how it impacts others around us as Christ is living through us. The gospel has an external ripple effect. We proclaim it with our lips. Colossians 1, 29, he's the one we proclaim. Speaking of Jesus, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. So it's Christ in me and through me. And as a result of that, we are proclaiming him with the goal of everyone hearing the message and everyone maturing in Christ. We proclaim it with our lips. I think one of the most immediate realities of the christian lives when you become a christian you really get that good news you get your ticket punched to heaven you get it you get out of jail a get out of hell free card you realize that christ is living in you wants to live through you you immediately want to begin to tell other people the good news about jesus i remember i was at a shopping mall years ago and i was i think i was in high school and i was sharing the gospel i share the gospel with a 10 year old kid he goes mister can i have some of those gospel pamphlets uh, I, can, I can share with my friends, and I gave him a handful. And within an hour, he was back. He goes, I gave them all out, can you give me more? I'm like, oh my goodness. This kid wants to share the good news. And that's exactly what we need to do. We need to realize, man, that is a, that is a external ripple effect of the gospel. We proclaim it with our lips. We also demonstrate it with our lives. We don't wanna just give the gospel. We want to live the gospel. We demonstrate it with our lives. How do we do that? Well, we feed the hungry, clothe the naked, help the hurting. James, Mr. Direct, put it this way, James 2, 15 through 17. Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm, well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if not accompanied by action, is dead. I mean, we are believers in Jesus Christ. We should be the ones who that lead the way in feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, helping the hurting, because it's Christ in us and living through us. It's that gospel ripple effect. I remember I was in India probably 30 years ago, and I was on an evangelistic tour, and I'd never seen such poverty as I saw in India. And they were taking our van, I was in the passenger seat, taking us to the next preaching destination at an intersection uh, somebody knocked on my window and looked and it was a little girl I uh, was dressed in rags Indian girl and she started doing this and I didn't understand at first she started tapping her mouth and rubbing her tummy tapping her mouth and rubbing her tummy and then I realized she was starving and I remember tears just coming down my eyes and reaching into my pocket the light had turned green and I just gave her whatever cash I had in my pocket and drove off And I so wish I could have shared the good news of the gospel with her, but I gave her what I had. And that should be our response to those who are poor, to those who are hurting, to those who are naked. We feed the hungry. We clothe the naked. We help the hurting. We demonstrate it also by correcting injustice and giving generously. I love the story of Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was this chief tax collector, considered to be a very evil man by his fellow Jews, but he wanted to see Jesus when Jesus came into town, so he's a short dude, so he climbs a tree, and he kinda humiliated himself to climb that tree so he could see Jesus, because down deep inside he believed that Jesus was who he claimed to be, and you know the story when Jesus comes up and says, hey, I'm, I'm gonna go hang out with you at your house, And people start to mutter, they say he's gone to be the guest of a sinner. The scripture says, but Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost. So here's a guy who's radically transformed the first thing he does gives half his possessions to the poor and he says if i have committed any injustice i'll pay it back four times so the real key to eradicating poverty and bringing justice biblical justice is the proclamation of the gospel because once his nature is changed then everything else changes. We correct injustice. We give generously. What is another ripple effect of the gospel? We stand against prejudice, favoritism, and racism. James two one, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ must not show favoritism. Ephesians 2.13 and 14, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one has destroyed the barrier the dividing wall of hostility and right here in the book of Ephesians Paul is describing that wall that kept the gentiles out from the inner court. and what he's saying is listen Jesus with his death on the cross destroyed that wall and you talk about racism I know we struggle with racism today and that's the topic of conversation it was a huge deal Jews hated Gentiles in the early uh, in the first century, and Gentiles hated Jews, and everybody hated Samaritans because they were half Jew and half Gentile. There was rampant racism, and what Paul is writing is that when Jesus died on the cross, he destroyed that dividing wall that kept the Jews and the Gentiles separate in the temple, and he himself has become our peace. And what's true of Jew and Gentile is true of all the other races that we can be one in Christ Jesus our Lord. I've seen this personally in my family. Matter of fact, last night, we just happened to be downtown. Again, I was taking my wife and my daughter uh, throughout my old neighborhood, went to our old house we used to live in. I actually talked to the people that used to live there, and I was pointing out to my daughter where my family got in fights in the alleyway, next to our house, in the street in front of our house, in the kind of parking lot on the backside of our house, and the church uh, on the north side of the house. There were fights everywhere in our neighborhood. And North Denver used to be called Little Italy because there were so many Italians who lived there. But then in the 60s and 70s, Came a thing called the Chicano Revolution. And matter of fact, Denver, this surprised a lot of people, Denver in the 60s and 70s was considered kind of the center of the Latino rise up and revolution. Chicano Revolution is what they nicknamed it. And they moved in, many of them moved into the south side of North Denver. A lot of the Italians moved out. We were a family that stayed there, and there was intense violence and intense. Fighting and my family was right in the middle of it. And I just remember being raised in a family that hated that literally hated uh, Mexican-Americans and there was so much violence and so much intensity that it, it, it kind of freaked me out as a kid But I want to tell you this There's not a government program in the world that would have ever ripped the roots of racism out of my family. There's not a moral education in the world or a program in the world that would have taken that hate out of their hearts. But when Yankee, this preacher, threw that gospel rock and and that ripple effect began in my uncles and aunts and cousins and my and all of our lives. And it began to transform us from the inside out. Christ came in. We got our ticket punched to heaven. We got our get out of hell free card. And then Christ came to live in us and started living through us. And we we started having an external ripple effect. And we began to tell other people about Jesus. And then all of a sudden, that, that movement in our hearts began to transform. And I see in my family an immense generosity. And all of a sudden those walls start coming down within months. My family was attending a Yankees church and they were side by side worshiping with Latino brothers and sisters in Christ preaching the gospel together advancing the kingdom together and I'm not I'm not saying it was perfect it was a perfect transition and there weren't there weren't setbacks and all that other stuff but I'm telling you my family was fundamentally changed by the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ so please do not uh, miss, miss, mistake the gospel for something that's going to make cosmetic change. It is going to, it's going to make eternal change and it's going to make practical change. You know, of course, we as Americans, we can protest peacefully, vote, exercise the freedom of speech, all things that are fine and good. But what I'm saying and what we're saying as a ministry is this. The ultimate answer to the prejudice and racism problems we are facing as a nation and in our world is rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Henry David Thoreau, for every thousand striking at the branches of evil, one strikes at the root. The gospel struck at the root of evil and racism and hatred and sin in my family. And God brought something new. He brought love. And that love transformed my family, transformed our community, and can transform this nation. In a powerful article, Chris Castaldo, lead pastor at New Covenant Church in Naperville, Illinois, explained how Christianity conquered the Roman Empire, not by force, but by love. He writes, the Christian conquest of the Roman Empire came not by the sword, but by the preaching of the gospel joined with acts of compassion. Eusebius goes on to state that because of their compassion in the midst of the plague, I guess there was a huge plague that took place in the early uh, Roman Empire, uh, the Christians' deeds were on everyone's lips and they glorified the God of the Christians. Such actions convinced them that they were... They alone were pious and truly reverent to God. A few decades after Eusebius, the last pagan emperor, Julian the Apostate, recognized that the Christian practice of compassion was one cause behind the transformation of the faith from a small movement on the edge of the empire to cultural ascendancy. Writing to a pagan priest, he said, when it came about that the poor were neglected and overlooked by the pagan priest, then I think the impious Galileans, i.e. the Christians, observed this fact and devoted themselves to philanthropy. To another, he wrote, they support not only their poor, but ours as well. All men see that our people lack aid from us. Rome was conquered not by force, but by love. Racism will be conquered not by legislation, but by the love of God as unveiled in the gospel message. And if you're one of those guys that say, well, I don't think the gospel can create that kind of change. I'm like, you you need to encounter the real gospel the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God made us to be with him, but our sins, they separate us from God because he's pure and holy, he's behind those walls. And those sins can never be removed by good deeds. So Jesus, God's son, came, died on the cross, paid the price for our sin, destroyed that dividing wall that was between us and God and between us and each other. He rose again from the dead He offers eternal life to all those who simply trust in him. And that faith in Jesus gives us that eternal life and that life starts now and lasts forever. And it ends up we're in heaven and not in hell. And it ends up that Christ is dwelling in us and living through us. And that part of that life that flows through us is the gospel message that creates more ripple effects. And ultimately, ultimately all leads to the glory and honor of God. So if you've never put your faith in Christ, put your faith in Christ and realize that the gospel is the answer, the, not an answer, the answer that will transform this society from the inside out, just like it did the Roman Empire. Finally, the gospel has not just a personal ripple effect, not just an internal one, not just external ones, the gospel has an eternal ripple effect. 1 Corinthians 15, 22 through 28. I'm gonna kind of explain this passage as I go along. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. When Adam sinned in the Garden of Eden, he became the portal to which everyone was corrupted by the pollution of sin. Everyone, Died as a result of Adam. Everyone dies as a result of Adam because Adam's sin was passed on from generation to generation to generation. So in Christ, all will be made alive. That gospel message that I shared through faith in Him, we're made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits, then when He comes, those who belong to Him. So Christ was the first one made alive. He was the first fruits. If you're uh, in, you know, uh, a farmer or you were uh, planting a vineyard or you have a garden, there's those fruits that come up first. Christ was the first one to rise from the dead. And then all of us who put our faith in Him, someday we will rise from the dead. Then when He comes, those who belong to Him. You know, the Bible says in Romans eleven twenty five. 25, that he's waiting until the full number of Gentiles comes in. There's a number. God's keeping an account. And that, when that number of Gentiles hits, when enough Gentiles put their faith in Christ, then the end will come. When he hands over the kingdom of God to, the, to God the Father after he's destroyed all dominion, authority, and power, for he must reign, Jesus must reign, until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. So God is working a plan. When when Jesus comes and all those, that full number of Gentiles comes in, then Jesus will enact his final uh, uh, act, and that is to put all enemies under his feet. We see this in Revelation 20, 11 through, fi- uh, 11 through 15, when he says, when death and hell are cast into the lake of fire, and everyone whose names have not been written into the land's book of life are cast into the lake of fire. The last thing to be put to death is, is death and it will be sealed up God completely victorious Jesus ruling and reigning and then the passage goes on in first Corinthians 15 for he has put everything under his feet now when it says that everything has been put under him it is clear that this does not include God himself who put everything under Christ when he has done this then the son himself will be made subject to him who put everything under him so that God may be all and in all so, the ultimate ripple effect is that Jesus will rule and reign and then put everything under the Father's feet. This is referring to the ultimate royal ceremony when Christ Jesus, who's been ruling fully over the universe after his resurrection and ascension into heaven it's in, in Ephesians 1:19 through 22 it says that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted God the Father exerted when he raised Christ from the dead seated him as his right hand in the heavenly realms far above all rule and authority power dominion every name that is invoked above every name that is invoked not only in this present age but also in the one to come and God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church this is what Jesus was seeing was going to happen very soon in Matthew twenty eight, eighteen, when he said all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He knew that soon he would raise from the dead, and not just raise from the dead, he would ascend into heaven, and he would be put in charge of the entire universe. This is the royal coronation service when, where the, God the Father puts the Son completely in charge. But after, after all is said and done, after sin is conquered, Satan is vanquished, death is put to death, after all the elect are safely in heaven and all the sinners are locked in hell, Jesus will hand over the kingdom back to the Father. You know, I'll never forget visiting Edinburgh Castle in Scotland with my family seven years ago. I was in Northern England to preach at Cape and Ray Bible School in Carnforth, England. It's one of the torchbearer schools, kind of the OG, the original um, school that started. And because Edinburgh is less than a three hour drive from Carnforth, England, after I was done preaching, we said, let's go to Edinburgh. It's a beautiful Gothic historic city. It actually ended up becoming my favorite city in all of Europe. It's just beautiful, beautiful. And right in the middle of this, there is the Edinburgh Castle. And this is just an amazing castle. It's full of dungeons and throne rooms, and it's got all sorts of medieval weapons and armor. But the most magnificent room was the crown room. Uh, This is where what's called the honors of Scotland are on display. They're the oldest crown jewels in Britain. They're made of gold, silver, precious gems. The priceless, there's a priceless crown. There's a scepter and there's a sword, that are all part of the honors of Scotland. And when you see these, they literally are breathtaking. Hundreds of years old, but pristine and beautiful. All of us, as we walk through that room, ooed and odd over the beauty of the crown, the scepter and the sword, the honors of Scotland. But when I walked through that, I could not help but think of another crown, scepter, and sword. Not the honors of Scotland, but the honors of heaven. And right now, Jesus is wearing that crown. He's got that sword strapped to his side, that scepter extending over the universe. But one day when his sword is finally put death to death, when his scepter is held over a universe completely obedient now to his commands, when that crown is firmly on his head without revival, without rival, without enemy, then he will lay all three of these at the Father's feet and take his seat at the right hand of God the Father, the ruler of the universe, and God will be all and in all, and the universe will be as it should. But until then, we throw rocks and ponds. We share the gospel. We help the hurting. We correct injustice. And we watch God and those ripple effects transform people and societies from the inside out. So pick up your rock, find the pond nearest you, and create those ripple effects. May we share the gospel, may we live the gospel, may we change this society through the power of Christ in us and through us from the inside out. Father, I pray for every person listening to this that you would fill them with divine courage and the power of the gospel to change lives. I pray for youth leaders that you would encourage them to mobilize their young people to share this message with a generation that desperately needs it. I pray God that you would raise up a movement of rock throwers, of stone throwers, of pond disruptors, and that through your spirit those ripple effects would change society, change lives. And I pray God that you would be glorified and we look forward to that day where you bear the crown. You hold the scepter. You have the sword. Christ is at your right hand. And God, you are all and in all. The ultimate ripple effect of what your son did on the cross. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of being called your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Greg, thanks so much for that extraordinarily inspiring message. Wow, the gospel changes everything. Uh, I want to just remind you as a listener, if you're not subscribed to this podcast, do it right now. Make sure you rate and review this, especially I would imagine uh, this month's episode was just highly impactful, highly encouraging for us as youth leaders. And so take a moment to do that. Uh, I want to give you some takeaways, tips, and tools from this month's episodes the takeaway quite simply is the fact that the gospel changes everything when when i used to teach students on a regular basis or even when i was pastor of a church i would constantly tell people jesus loves you so much that he will meet you right where you're at but he loves you too much to leave you where he finds you. That's the power of the gospel, to change life. And then it changes lives at a deep-rooted level, and it changes everything, not just surface level like Greg mentioned. It truly changes everything. The gospel has a personal, an internal, an external, and an eternal impact in our lives I'm overwhelmed by the power of the gospel. So that takeaway, the impact of the gospel and that message that our students need to hear. Uh, As a tip, I want to encourage you, especially as youth leaders, when we go to make significant impact in our ministries, which is going to happen when we preach the gospel and equip our students to share the gospel, we're going to come up against opposition. The enemy cannot stand what we are about when we're preaching the gospel and equipping our students with the gospel. So here's a tip. You don't have to go it alone. You are not alone as a leader leading a gospel advancing ministry. I want to encourage you right now. Check out facebook.com slash groups slash gospel advancing. This is our gospel advancing ministry Facebook page. It's a community of hundreds of leaders from all over the world that are leading in the same way that you desire the gospel at the forefront of everything that we teach and inspire our students with. You don't have to go it alone. It's a great place for encouragement, to ask questions, to share ideas. You need to be a part of that community. So check out the link below and become part of that community. So takeaways, tips, finally tools, a couple real easy tools as we kick off this school year. Get the gospel message in the hands of your students. The easiest way I can encourage you to do that, download the Life in Six Words app. It's a great faith sharing resource for you and your students to use. You can actually make a faith sharing group in the app. So as a youth group, you can see what students are sharing the gospel when they're praying for their friends. You can use that as a rally and an encouragement on Wednesday nights or Sundays at youth group so your group can see the number of conversations you're having and the impact they're having on their middle school and high school campuses. The other tool that I want to share about is very time sensitive. Dare to share live on October 10th this fall. Talk about a day that's going to motivate and mobilize your students to share the gospel. A great day to rally your students to get out there and take this gospel that has so radically changed our lives get that message out there to the lost friends that they would see the ripple effect of the gospels go beyond their lives into the lives of their friends. And so be sure to check out daretosharelive.org and be a part of October 10th with us. Again, we are here for you. We wanna encourage you. We wanna love on you. Feel free to email us anytime at podcast at daretoshare.org, but be sure to join that Gospel Advancing Ministry Facebook page and become part of the larger gospel advancing community.